Anyway, it is good to see you out tonight. We're glad that you're here. Our lesson for tonight is the fourth lesson on the book of Exodus. And tonight's lesson deals primarily with the giving of the law. The giving of the law. And so we're going to look at, at that and, and how it affected Israel and how it affects us too. Uh, but we want to, to have a good understanding of the law that is given to us. As we look at the law, obviously we're going to, about Exodus chapter 20, which is where the Ten Commandments are found. We're going to back up a little bit into chapter 19. We're not going to go through all of the chapters that deal with the law, but it is provided in chapters 19 through 24, chapters 19 through 24 of the book of Exodus. And beyond the Ten Commandments, those are the the basic commandments that the people were to follow but there are more detailed commands and how those things need to be um, followed how those things need to be recognized within Israel and those are in the later chapters uh, which I would advise you to read on your own as we look at the law I think it's good that we begin with the purpose what good is a law if we don't recognize that it has a purpose? And certainly the law of the Old Testament had a purpose. Now, it came to a point, and we'll look at that later on in our lesson, where it served its purpose. And now we are under a new covenant, a new testament. And so that is what we follow today, rather than the old law that we're going to read about in the book of Exodus. But it did have a purpose. And as we look at Israel, we, we want to recognize that purpose. We go to Exodus chapter 19. And let's begin reading at verse 3. Exodus chapter 19 and beginning with verse 3. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. And how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me, above all people. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak. To the children of Israel. The law had a purpose. God had taken care of his people up until this point. He had guided them out of Egyptian bondage. They had witnessed this. And they are told, share this with your children. Share this with each generation even. Uh, but, but make sure that they understand that the Lord your God is your God. And he says in verse 5, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. Israel was a very special treasure unto God. And have you ever pondered why that would be? It wasn't because of their faithfulness. Because many times over Israel 
lacked faithfulness. That they weren't as faithful as they should be. It wasn't because they were a perfect people. And it wasn't because they were fully dedicated to God. Because they often turned their heart away from Him. But God chose this people to bring His Son into the world. And Israel was a special people. For that reason, God had a plan. And He used Israel to accomplish that plan. And even us today, if we obey the commandments, as we're told in the New Testament that we should, then we are promised that we are going to be special in the eyes of God as well. We're, we're to be a peculiar people, but a chosen people. God wants us as Christians, spiritual Israel, to serve Him. But He makes this promise that if they will keep His commandments, if they will obey, then they will be a special treasure to me above all people. That's the way the New King James puts it. You shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And so these words were spoken to the people. The law's purpose was to give them something to follow. God didn't just choose His people and, and say, No matter what you do, you're my people. And I'll continue to bless you. He wanted them to be faithful. He wanted them to obey. And so the law gave them guidance. It gave them morality. If we had no law in the world, what would our world be like? If we could do whatever we wanted to in this world, what would it be like? No, God wanted His people to be special. He wanted them to be above the other nations. He wanted them to be different. And so He gave them law and order. In Exodus chapter 20, we read the Ten Commandments. Commandments that we are familiar with. Commandments that you may know by heart. But these are the Ten Commandments as they are given by God. Exodus 20 beginning with verse 1. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He gives them reason for reverencing Him, reason for serving Him, reason for keeping these commandments. In verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. 
In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. The Ten Commandments are summed up in the New Testament by Jesus. In Matthew 22 and beginning reading with verse 34, verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him in verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Have you ever thought about how that may be? That all the commandments can be hinged upon these two basic commands. Summed up basically with the word love. Love. The first four commandments deal with man's relationship with God. And the latter six deal with man's relationship with other people. Let's look at them again. Dealing with man's relationship with God, the first commandment is to have no other gods before God. Don't place anything or anyone above God. And if we love Him, we keep that commandment. Number two, there were to be no carved images, no idols of anything in heaven or the earth or the water. They were not to bow down to them nor serve them. We love God, we keep that commandment. Not speaking the Lord's name in a, a vain way or a vain manner. If we love Him, we keep those commandments. Remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy. For Israel, if they loved Him, they would keep that commandment. In man's relationship with other people, honoring father and mother, respecting them. Refraining from murder, adultery, stealing, bearing false witness against the neighbor and coveting what was or did not belong to them. If we love 
our neighbor, if we love our fellow man, if we love our father and mother, then we keep those commandments. And so all the commandments are hinged upon what Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is also a reference to something that we find in the Old Testament as well. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love will keep us from transgression or offense of the law of God. It did for Israel and it does for us today. I mentioned before that uh, again there is a purpose in regard to the law and as we look at the purpose of it we find this purpose mentioned in the New Testament in a couple of different places one of those is Galatians chapter 3 and beginning with verse 19 Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19 what purpose then does the law serve it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For there, if there had been a law given which could have given life... Truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. It was to bring us to the point of Christ's coming. It was to bring us up until he was crucified for our sin. We talked about this morning about the importance of the blood of Christ and how it cleanses us. And without the blood, there is no remission of sins. The law was to keep the Jews under subjection to God. To keep them obedient until Christ's coming. Until a new law would be set in motion. A law that we would follow today. Romans chapter 5 verses 20 through 21. Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There are those that would offend the law. But those who offend the law are brought under grace if they are obedient to the commands of God. Eternal life is provided through Christ. Even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
So we see a purpose in the law. It was a purpose for the, the people of the Old Testament to bring them into this new covenant at the coming of Christ. It's important that we recognize that the old law is the old law. That we are no longer bound to the old law. However, all but one of the commandments is reinstated, so to speak, in the New Testament. We're not going to look at all of them tonight. I only want to look at the first few and then we'll finish up, Lord willing, next week. But I think it's important that we recognize how the old laws exhibited in the New Testament, how it is shown to us and how we are to follow it even today. Number one, going back to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. This law is reinstated in Acts chapter 14 and beginning with verse 8. Acts 14 and beginning with verse 8. And in Lystra a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lycaonian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus. And Paul Hermes. Because he was the chief speaker. Uh, I remember these names from my time in school. I remember studying Greek mythology to some degree. And these are, are of course, Greek gods. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. They were going to worship Barnabas and Paul as Greek gods. Barnabas and Paul could have taken it. They could have said, hey, look, they're, they're recognizing us as someone special. But they didn't do so. And in verse 14 we read this, But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness, in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness, and with these sayings. They could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. But they did tell them not to do so. Not to worship them. They were but mere men. And they were to worship but one God. 
the Father, the God of the heaven, the creator of all. In John 4, beginning with verse 20, John 4 and verse 20, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. This is Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. They did not know really, who they were worshiping. And Jesus tells her that there's going to come a time where it doesn't matter where you worship, whether you worship on this mountain, whether it be in Jerusalem. But He says they are to worship God. And there's a way in which to worship God, and that's more important than where you worship more important than a building or a particular location. But making sure that we worship as true worshipers. That we worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. We are to worship only God. We are to worship only God. Angels are not to be worshipped. Colossians 2 and verse 18. Men are not to be worshipped. Acts 10 verses 25 and 26. And the worship of creatures is forbidden. In Romans 1 verses 22 through 25. God alone is worthy of worship and praise. We are not to place any other gods... Anyone or anything above the God, our Creator, the God of Heaven. Commandment number 2, Acts 20 and verse 4. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Notice that this commandment is twofold. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Not anything to be worshipped or to use as worship. You're not to make for yourself anything, any likeness of anything that is created by God. And secondly, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. They couldn't create anything to be worshipped and they were not to bow down to these types of things. In Acts chapter 17, Acts 17 and beginning with verse 24. Acts 17 and verse 24. We have a sermon here. God who made the world and everything in it, since He is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. 
nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. In 1 John 5 verse 21 it simply says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. And in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 14, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. That's exactly what it is. When we make images and things of that nature, and it was very common back in the days of the Old Testament and, and even now. Maybe it's not images that we bow down and worship, but we do have symbols and things of that nature, symbols of, of the world and things that people worship today other than God. Idolatry is not to be a part of our lives. Idolatry is a work of the flesh as according to Galatians 5 and beginning with verse 19. Galatians 5 verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adult, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry. Sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice idolatry, among other things, they will not Inherit the kingdom of God. We are to avoid these works of the flesh. Commandment number three is found in Exodus 20 and beginning with verse 7. Exodus 20 and verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We are not to use the Lord's name in a vain manner. Reinstatement of this is found in Matthew chapter 5 and beginning with verses, verse 34, verses 34 and 35. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And in verse 12 of James chapter 5, James chapter 5 and verse 12, 
But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. We are not to swear by the name of God, and we need to be very careful of how we use His name. How easy it is for, for some... It wouldn't be as easy for me because I was raised in, in a very different way than many people in the world. But for those that, that know nothing other than, than this... They lose their temper. And the first name that they utter, God or Jesus, they use His name in vain. No matter how you use the Lord's name, if you're not addressing Him, or if you're not speaking of Him, it is using His name in a vain manner. There's a song that I love. It's uh, another one of those Southern Gospel songs. It's uh, uh, kind of like the one I mentioned earlier. There's a song that says he's more than just a swear word. And it's certainly true. We need to be very careful how we use the name of God. How we speak of Him. And make sure that when we do so we hold Him in reverence. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Jesus set this precedence in teaching us how to pray. In this manner therefore pray our Father in heaven. Hallowed, holy be your name. And we are certainly reminded by Jesus in, this, in Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew chapter 12 beginning with verse 36. Be very careful of our speech. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. We need to be very careful of how we speak at any time, but especially in regard to keeping the Lord's name holy. It is holy. It is to be reverent. It is to be honored above all. We'll stop there. And we'll pick up with the fourth commandment next week, Lord willing. But I hope that this has been a, a helpful lesson in understanding the law. And especially the, the latter part of it. I, I found it interesting to, to go through and, and look at the New Testament commands. And how they coincide with, with the Ten Commandments that were given to the people of Israel. As always we offer the Lord's invitation. And certainly if anyone here is in need of responding in any way. Then we want you to do so. If it's in obedience to the Lord's command to, to repent, confess your faith in Christ, be baptized for the remission of sins, then we would certainly encourage you to do so. If you need to come back then, and repurpose your life to Him, if there's a way that we can help you in doing that, then we want to do that. And so we give you that opportunity to respond as together we stand and as we sing. Number 330.